Welcome to Sword Eye Illusions. We are back for another Pride Month episode. Uh, we have the rare distinction of actually having a guest on the show, which is something that I can't remember the last time we did it. Uh, everybody knows I hate having guests, uh, usually because they come on the show because you know they want to promote something. They hear it's a popular show, and then they meet me, and I'm, they find out that I'm crazy, and I feel really bad for them. But uh, the guest that we have on already knows that, so I don't really feel super bad for Ed, um, who's uh, been on the show twice before. We're actually fulfilling a uh, commitment made in our first when Ed first came on for Crisis on Infinite Earths that if a Flash movie ever got made, and boy, 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 was that hard one, to, hard road that we had to take to get there. But uh, you know, now the movie has been released. It uh, there probably won't be another one, but. Uh, we have to have Ed for uh, this episode. Ed, do you want to tell us about yourself? Yeah, um, I am a copywriter um, slash uh, jerk living in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I don't have anything to promote, which also makes me a great guest for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> writing anywhere much at the moment. Um, but uh, if you haven't listened to the last episode I was on, which it's a couple of years ago at this point, um, I am a big comics nerd um, with a particular affinity for DC Comics. I do love Marvel. I read a bunch of Marvel. Um, Marvel fans don't hate me. I watch a lot of the MCU and stuff, but uh, DC was the stuff I really grew up on. Um, and it's always still kind of held a special place in my heart, in particular The Flash. Um, first comic book I kind of ever really remember reading. My mom got us a big... Uh, I have a bunch of brothers, and she got us... Um, I think it was at like Costco or Sam's Club or something like that. They used to sell essentially it was like 30 comic books all in a package. And it was great for my mom because there's five boys and, you know, she just, okay, here's a bunch of comic books. You two, you guys like break them up amongst yourselves. Um, so I landed one of the flash ones that became my favorite. It was during um, Mark Wade's run in the nineties. Um, so that's sort of been my lifelong love of the flash and, you know, very much wanted a movie get to made. And wow, was this a bit of a monkey's paw wish here. Yeah, yeah, I've attached my uh, review of the film. We had booked, we had decided we were going to do this episode for a while. Uh, I, if you've been following my Facebook, I was puppy sitting. I was not able to see the Flash for a while. I was kind of expecting to like it a lot more than I ended up uh, liking it, but uh, here we are. Uh, before we want to get into that, I just want to address the obligatory uh, non-binary elephant in the room. Uh, we have Ezra Miller, who is a very, very bad person and has a myriad of issues i can't even i there's a lot of them there's there's kidnapping uh there's all sorts there's the white uh, being recorded on camera all sorts of bad things they're probably ferrying people to the titanic right now um for a lot of people that will damper the enthusiasm for the film i mean it's certainly it's you no know, you'd be kind of a weird person if it made you more excited but um this was a certain train wreck that I really couldn't look away. I knew I wanted to cover it. Uh, as a film critic, I really don't engage with stuff like boycotts and that kind of... I just don't want any part of that. That's not appropriate for a critic to weigh in on. Uh, I really am looking forward to talking comic books with my friend for a while. Uh, and, you know, The Flash, I couldn't, couldn't look away. I don't really feel very bad about doing it. <laughs> I figured I would just address that. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean... How do you do a boycott of, a, of something like this and not, like, say, gee, you know, Warner Brothers does a lot worse things, like a, a J.K. Rowling and him. I mean, Ezra Miller's already been paid. The movie bombed. It's not going to get another one. Ezra Miller will probably never play The Flash again, not even some George Clooney situation 20 years down the road. I don't know. I just don't really feel that bad about it. So that's the I mean, they may pop up in the Aquaman sequel that they still have to release. Like, uh, the DCU is still not dead. That's wild. It's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I figure we'll just do like a free forum conversation. This is, you know, this is this is why no matter how problematic Ezra Miller is, his comic book chats are very fun. Uh, we'll just bounce all over the place. And I don't want to harp on how terrible, you know, the movie... I'm very frustrated. It, it makes sense that uh, Christina Hudson also wrote Birds of Prey because I think I think my complaints with the films basically line up with each other. Right? Maybe that's our good jumping off point. Actually, no, no, no. The best jumping off point would be Flashpoint itself, which is 
as I remember saying in the uh, crisis episode, or maybe to you when we were recording, uh, when we were done recording afterward, Flashpoint is a very odd storyline to do as like the first movie in something, and it, it lined up with their intentions really well in the sense of uh, getting rid of the DCEU or resetting it or whatever the hell. The, and we don't, I mean, Aquaman and Blue. We really don't know what's going on, but yeah, and Peacemaker is still going on, but. Whatever they're trying to do, Flashpoint kind of fits in. But at the end of the day, Flashpoint existed to introduce the new 52. That was a very clear objective outside of that. It's just kind of a weird story to do for a first ride, especially with such a quirky take on the character. I don't know. It's kind of a weird story to do. Uh, I agree with you. That's sort of the... um, It's not the original sin of this movie, but it certainly seems like it's the original sin, at least, of the script. Uh, Focusing on Flashpoint as... Uh, first of all, my thought is if for Flashpoint to be the first live action Flash film adaptation, it's a bit brutal because while it's a Flash story, it's also a story that bases everything on things being different than the status quo. And at least in particular with this movie, um, we had sort of never seen Barry in his day to day normal activities. You know, we saw when he joined up with the Justice League. Um, we saw, where was the other time he popped up? Well, there was the Arrowverse crosser. Peacemaker, yes, thank you. But, like, um, one thing that really struck me as I was watching this movie was there was, an, um, I don't know how much spoiler to get into. Oh, no, spoiler the whole movie. Okay, okay. At one point, you know, there are two different versions of Ezra Miller's character running around, and the younger version of Barry, we see him sort of get his powers and experience the speed for the first time. And the older Barry is sort of like, you know, yeah, yeah, this is old hat. It's new, not that big of a deal. You know, like you got to focus here, but we never saw any of that before. Right. With the actual, like quote unquote, our Barry. So it, it was, it struck me as like sort of embolic of the whole issue with the DCEU where they want to hurry up and get to like the big stuff. You know, the flashpoints, um, not that they were going to do Crisis on Infinite Earth, but the big sort of event comics while skipping the character moments, while skipping the sort of basic stepping blocks that these uh, characters need in order for us to fall in love with them. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about, oh, I mean, we're, we're kind of into the episode now. I, I'll put it in the episode description. We are spoiling the whole movie. We're not, you know, I, there people listen to all sorts of episodes i wonder why they listen i mean our christmas episodes are popular all year but there will be people who listen to this episode who don't know the flash but if you care don't listen to it you've been warned you probably i don't know it's gonna say in the episode description but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i i was at a comic-con where they didn't it was like a year after red dead redemption 2 came out and they wouldn't do the spoiler i'm just like fuck off who the hell cares <laughs> um that's an aside. especially for that game uh, that's just like so long <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you. Everybody knew what was going to happen too, um, but anyway. So the opening sequence, I mean, the special effects that was probably they probably ran out of the budget because of that that sequence. But I, it kind of felt like I kind of wrote about it in my review. But it kind of felt like like just getting hot and heavy before the foreplay. Like it just came out of nowhere. And you're right, they don't. I, I, that scene was almost like them trying to like lay down the brick brickwork. Like you have Wonder Woman is involved, Batman. Alfred is coordinating it. They do seem to function like a unit. It's not dissimilar from like the opening sequence of Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. but it's just not. It's not earned. And I mean, I don't really have like. I mean, Gal Gadot. I laugh when I see her because I think of the Imagine the the early COVID uh, when she's <laughs> her sing along. Um, I've never. I don't know. I she's. She, it's kind of not. I kind of like that they're still pretending like this is a thing. I know it's ending, but uh, years from now when we decipher, like, what was the DCU, stuff like this is at least, like, them making meager attempts to try. But I just... For them, I, I, I'm kind of reminded about how he... Didn't he come up with the name The Flash during the crisis? There was the Arrow episode where he met Grant. He didn't. He yep. wasn't even The Flash before that. He wasn't The Flash in the Justice League. So they, they know him there. To him as anything other than Barry. Yeah, he's just awkward. I don't know. The other kind of thing about Flashpoint that bothers me. I mean, there's there's an obvious reason you bring Batman in, not just because of Thomas Wayne, but just 
the problem, I guess, so Ed and I both kind of grew up with Wally West as our Flash, not Barry Allen. And as you grow older and Barry came back when Jeff Johns brought him back and then he was the Flash for New 52 and all of that, he's been, you know, the Joshua Williamson run is pretty good, but it kind of runs parallel to what the CW series, they're very similar in vibe. I know they came out at the same time. I don't know how, they they already did stuff like Godspeed, but um, Barry's core story is very similar to Batman's. Basically, you know, one mother died, his mother died, and his father was wrongly incarcerated. Very parallel, and this movie kind of played at that. But it's it, it's not why I like the Flash. I kind of like the Flash and Superman a lot for because they're different from Batman. And this movie was leaning so into Batman that you've got like this awkward. We're rushing. The Flash is now a thing. And he's going to get his own movie for a little while. But then we're also going to take... Ezra Miller was one of the better parts of Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League. They had a lot of great scenes. And they worked really well off Bruce there. And I'm not... They worked kind of fine uh, with Ben Affleck in this one. But The Flash... I felt like having two Flashes in this movie undercut a lot of Miller's inherent kind of zaniness and the charm that they bring to Barry. And it just wasn't working. The humor, they had the one, I think the one funny scene was the lasso of truth when uh, Barry says that he's a virgin. (laughs) Which does, you know, that tracks with Barry, but... um, Yeah. Yeah. Although I also liked in that scene how, uh, for whatever reason, they had Barry, like, getting annoyed that Batman was off doing something else as um, all those, like, sinkholes were coming into the hospital and it's like, What's Batman going to do? Punch the holes in the ground, Barry? Come on. Yeah. Like, this is clearly your lane. Yeah, I um, mean... But, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, my issue with that scene was, I thought it was a great idea and it was really fun. But I, like you said, I think the special effects, they blew the budget. Some of that was really lacking. Like, it, I know you're not going to use actual babies, but they clearly looked like dolls or CGI for most of the time. Like, it was fairly glaringly obvious yeah i mean i kind of had a similar at times it felt like i was watching especially in the city scene like it just it felt a lot like shazam 2 which also felt very similarly cheap uh it's just it was ugly i mean i we didn't i didn't do a podcast about it but ed knows all too well and anybody who reads my written reviews knows that i thought that ant-man was basically like the biggest abomination i'd ever seen so cheap. I mean, DC's special effects. Maybe I give them more of a pass because they don't use stagecraft, but they were ugly. And I, I, I. <laughs> this movie also kind of like it kind of felt like I was about to say, kind of it felt like a stereotypical like weird three act structure, except the fact that all the acts are kind of very isolated from each other. But that's almost like not true. It does have its own very distinct third act, which very much felt like them saying oh shit we kind of have to be an action movie now and we don't really have they kind of did what uh what rise of skywalker did and we're like we don't really have a villain i guess let's bring one back uh people Mm -hmm. know who general zod is but then they kind of faint and they're not super interested in general zod and or even it like exploring the idea that he'd been killed the first time around the metropolis had been leveled or anything like that they don't they don't care uh but then they have they have they have uh they have Dark Flash slash Savitar. Uh, I don't understand why that couldn't have just been the main villain if you're gonna, especially if you're gonna use two Ezras. But I mean, did you like ha- the, having the two Ezras, or did uh, it, it was weird? It, it was a mixed bag. Um, it did offer some opportunities for. I mean, I understand writing wise why they did it. Flashpoint as a comic flashes uh, a lot of its narration in his head, at least until he gets to the Batcave and finds Thomas Wayne. Um, spoilers for like a decade old comic, I guess, as well. If you no, we, yeah, we, checked we, it, yeah. We um, <laughs> so it's fun. I get that it doesn't really work like that for a live action film, but I felt like. They were really hitting us over the head with, yeah, this Barry is young and inexperienced. And we were supposed to buy that this other Barry was suddenly like the more wizened one, the one who was like ready to get on with it. And him also not having his powers kind of, I feel like it didn't land well. And it really just made it a bit more of a mess. 
yeah. It, <sighs> I mean, there's that, which is, I mean, kind of a comic book trope sometimes, especially, I don't know. I mean, sometimes reading a Batman and more often than not, they don't address it, but sometimes they're like, this is why the Justice League can't come. Uh, mm-hmm. So having the speedster lose his powers, I mean, there's a lot of the various... Uh, a lot of Teen Titans figuring out how to neutralize like a Connor Kent or a Bart Allen or something like that. Uh, not so gone to com- I hope people are listening are comic book fans, but <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of stuff. But the other thing is is this movie leaned incredibly hard down the stretch on something that I just can't stand, which is the idea of a canon event. Like according to this movie's logic, we're supposed to believe that. Uh, you know, Barry's, Barry Allen's mother not dying somehow makes Ben Affleck into George Clooney. Like, I, I, I'm I'm fine with with shit like this changing everything, but then they pound into the ground the importance of this woman dying, and it just it's this weird technicality that comic books often spend a lot of time. Like the no kill rule is a technicality that books just love to like write themselves completely about. And it was just like, who the, like I was sitting there thinking to myself, who, what casual person in this audience gives a rat's fuck about a canon event? Like blow it out your ass. That's stupid. Especially because, uh, you know, comics have had that stuff, uh, at least DC for forever. You know, these idea of like fixed events and fixed points. But with regard specifically to this movie and how they used it, they chose to at least introduce the concept. And then the next instance of the concept was both used um, for stuff that technically isn't going to matter because that timeline doesn't exist anymore. It was, you know, the death of Keaton's Batman that it was apparently going to happen at this battle against Zod's armies one way or the other. And then the death of Supergirl, which is what essentially drove the other Barry insane in the dark Flash avatar. Again, that's messy and they weren't really clear on that one either. But um, I think he would have made a better overall like villain if they had focused more on him. Like if you want to throw in the Michael, I mean, I'm not going to complain about a Michael Shannon cameo. You know, I'm not crazy or anything, but um, I do. I do love him, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Uh, I feel like the Dark Flash Savitar character needed to be the main villain there. Um, and not doing so, it, it really, it was, it, it's lazy. You brought it up, I know in messages to me, it felt like this was almost a first draft that they did not bother to do another run through of. Yeah, and I mean... <sighs> If you're going to go canon-level events so hard and then choose to be completely ambiguous about the current state of your... Like, yeah, Aquaman is coming out. Uh, We have no idea what the deal was with Keaton's role. He was supposed to have a cameo in that, which I guess has been cut because of other restructuring. It's kind of unclear why he would have even been a part of that. I mean, who the hell knows? Uh, And then, of course, there's the other... uh, you know, Ezra, Ezra, and their myriad of problems uh, get go forward, and Warner Brothers plays footsie with a sequel that they were never going to make, and this movie was never going to be a hit. I mean, some of them, it, it, it's, the whole thing is ridiculous. Um, but then Batgirl, ninety million dollar tax write off because you know CEOs. I made a joke about it on Tumblr, like you know CEOs who remove TV shows from a streaming service uh, a week after they air should be uh, sent to the uh, you know, on a submarine trip to, to visit the Titanic. Um, like, Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies. I got invited to a press event for that last month. It's already off the streaming service. Like, what the hell? Um, that's a completely different tangent. But, no, actually, it's not really a tangent, because the point being, Batgirl is it's ridiculous. It's just, it's insane what they've done with that. Um, and very unfortunate. Uh, mm-hmm. And who knows? If people say that was unreleasable. I look at The Flash, and it's like... <laughs> This is not, like, I do, we've done episodes about it. I spent a lot of my Rotten Tomatoes interview last year talking about it. I love Batman and Robin. I think it's great. It's campy. It's classic. I don't, that movie doesn't make me feel the same way that, like, watching Black Adam or Shazam. Like, those movies make me feel bad watching them. Batman and Robin makes me feel happy. Um, I don't know why Batgirl can't be released. It can't be worse than, than Shazam 2. <laughs> 
it's just baffling yeah that especially given some of the stuff we know that you know keaton was gonna have a fairly significant role in batgirl um and it sounds like you know at one point they even pitched keaton in a batman beyond film which is just beside myself thinking that didn't happen because of this crap um but you see that yeah they cancel batgirl and then they release this instead in the state that it's in and then I, I don't get it, honestly, other than the fact that, yeah, you invested millions in this already and you just wanted to get something for, for your money. But it's I don't understand the priorities there. I know they got now gun running the show. And while I'm sort of skeptical of him overall, um, because while I think he does James Gunn stuff great, I don't know how he can do like, you know, when he has to handle a character like, say, Superman who doesn't necessarily, you know, lend himself to gunification. Um, but true. also, you know, they, a lot of the sort of media, you notwithstanding, of course, here, um, lead up to the Flash sort of <laughs> hinted at this idea that the Flash was going to reset the DCU, sort of be crucial for leading into the future of what DC Films is going to do, what James Gunn is going to do. And having seen it, I don't see that at all. I don't understand, like, you know, I could see Gunn probably most likely just completely ignoring every aspect of this here. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot to pick out. We should pick out it all. But the one point that I wanted to get to next goes back to Keaton and because you brought up Batman Beyond. Something I was thinking about right before we recorded is, you know, the first two Keaton movies, the only two Keaton movies were great. But at the same time, like, Batman Returns was super great, not because Keaton was, like, this major—he's he's kind of a supporting character in that movie, and it's not—like, he's not the commanding presence that a Christian Bale or a Ben Affleck or even—oh, uh, God, Robert Pattinson's so hot. Um, <laughs> Keaton is more subtle and also very attractive, but— um, he didn't. He never had a Robin, and he usually only worked off of Alfred. So to see him in this team dynamic— it kind of reinforces that a Batman Beyond type setting really would he would have been the Batman to use that for, and almost yeah. like I, I know his health is uh, is is not in, in a good good spot. And I wish him uh, you know well, but I mean this would have been a good one for Val Kilmer probably, um, just because he acts in the buddy stuff like Willow and I mean even some Iceman energy, but. Uh, it was just this weird... I mean, we got what? Like, I, I was really excited to see Supergirl and Sasha Kaye really... She brought the kind of Supergirl energy that I really like, which is because I'm a big Power Girl fan, JSA. Uh, and this Supergirl, this Kara was more similar to Power Girl than I think to, to regular Supergirl who, I mean, uh, Melissa Benoit does a... M- Melissa Benoit, whatever her name is. Um does a really good Supergirl on the CW, but I mean, I thought that this, I thought she did an excellent job, but I mean, we barely saw her. She got like nothing. Like what the hell? Yeah, she did. She did a great job with what she was given there, but um, that was also some fascinating choices. Um, If you haven't watched the movie, what they essentially did was they took her Supergirl character. um, And that is sort of the role that Kal-El would have played in the actual flashpoint. Um, it's a very similar to actually Connor Kent's uh, origin story where he was kept in away, although and that was a secret agency. And this is just more um, some nebulous, I think, government doing it that they never really got into or anything. Um, but they've kept her away from the sun to keep her real weak. And so she either spends half the time either like, you know, in a weekend days or the other half of the time is her punching stuff. Um the few moments she did get to sort of act, she I was really impressed with her. But I, again, yeah, I wish they had done more with her. Um, and I wish she wasn't just essentially a uh, gender-swapped cow and she actually had a chance to be, you know, her own personality here. Because I think that's one of the issues that um, m- some of the modern non-comic book media has had with Supergirl. She's got a very complicated and convoluted entire origin. And I mean, you know, when we were younger... And like she was essentially a shape shifting alien, uh, Lin- made Linda out of like Danvers. almost potty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but Kara Zorel is actually you know a really fascinating character in her own right, and it, it was just a bit of a shame to see her essentially you know playing a boring version of Cal out here. Yeah, and I kind of also think like 
the two the two berries came out of I, I think the internal monologue is a good way of looking at that in a lot of ways but also you need somebody for Ezra to play off of and I kind of wish if you'd introduce Supergirl in the beginning of the narrative a lot of the plot wasn't super reliant on powers either so it's not like she couldn't have just been around and you know been uh, a, a companion for for Barry and I, I I did like her a lot and I liked Keaton a lot and then like, I went into the movie knowing... I looked up the spoilers. I, I couldn't wait. Um, I had seen Clooney mentioned, and I was like, fuck, I have to look at this. This is true. <laughs> um, I mean, I wish that his him with the nipple suit could have... I mean, I've written... I, had, I really... Yeah, we're not going to get back to that. Um, you guys know that... That was actually one of our earlier episodes, Bat, uh, Pride Month Celebration of Batman and Robin. I think that was, like, 2019. But um, where was I going? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We already have Batman shoot into this. I mean, the, the Flash was not... It's a problem I have with a lot of modern superhero movies, especially the sequels, and, and this isn't really a sequel, but it basically is, uh, is that they have to introduce a new character, so we get slivers and slivers and slivers. This isn't really a Flash movie, and Flashpoint was a Flash story. Thomas Wayne was a major part of it, but he also was at a distance to it. And this wasn't really the Flash's movie, and yet they didn't also commit to having, like, building this trio of uh, Batman, Supergirl, and the Flash that, that would have had a much... I mean, I don't... They were so hell-bent on killing them at the end. Like, who the fuck cares? Like, yeah. the, defe the defeat of Zod was not the catalyst keeping the movie. You had Dark Savitar. It was the more important thing. Why did they have to die? So that the other Barry goes crazy? I mean... Can't we think of a billion... I just... It was just... I couldn't understand why that was what they were going with. It doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, like almost, you know... It's one of those things where if this was going to have any sort of sequel, you could understand it. Um, as a like, oh, we don't want to include these characters in the sequel. We don't want to have to, you know, write around um, not getting Keaton back or something like that. But that's not the case here. So it's like, what are we doing? And, you know, you mentioned that it, you needed somebody for Ezra Miller to sort of play off of. Part of me wonders if at one point that was sort of a role they had pegged for Cyborg, um, who was played yeah. by Ray Fisher in the DCEU uh, and has a pretty public uh, falling out. Um, oh, yes. Given some, yeah, uh, no shade to him there. Uh, sounds like he has some very uh, justified complaints. But um, yes. I, again, it, it's... It looked like that was a perfect spot for a character like him. And they simply said, well, we'll just make it another Barry or something, you know, like without thinking of any other possible solution. Yeah, because I mean that you're you're removing the sort of zany Barry from the center of gravity and then splitting him across two different people. And it just wasn't at that point, I was just kind of waiting for Keaton Batman to show up and. I feel like this movie also didn't really get at what made Keaton Batman great was what what made him great was that he kind of brought out the best in other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you could not have done Batman Returns with a Bale or Val Kilmer or uh, Ben Affleck or Pattinson. Keaton Keaton comes from a comedy background. He's used to working off people. He's a great versatile character actor. He, he does a lot of, I mean, he does his, his, I mean, Beetlejuice. I mean, good God, he disappears into the role. I mean, yeah, it's him, but he's, he's elevating everybody around him. And they almost kind of, it felt very much like Blade Runner, what Blade Runner 2049 did with Deckard. But the difference there being that that movie fully committed two hours of its time to basically telling a complete story about Ryan Gosling's character before getting to that. Keaton was uh, needed for this, and he played a major part in the catalyst, I guess. But at the same time, the movie had dicked around with. Uh, it basically had a had like a preview preview show, and then the time travel happened, sort of almost like very paint by numbers. And then they had to reset everything, and then he's time to come in. It wasn't that long of a movie. They just had all this shit going on, and there was no time of that spent on the villain. They just reused Zod. And also, for whatever reason, decided Supergirl had to be there too. Flash can Flash can beat Zod. Yeah, 
that's a good point you brought and you know that keaton really plays well off of other people usually and it almost seems like this movie went out of its way to sort of separate them separate him from other people like you know at yeah, that Batman's a loner, sure, but like, you know, for most of the third act, he's flying around in his Batwing. Uh, for a lot of the second act, even though he's in the Batcave and so are the other berries, he's not necessarily with them a lot of the time. Uh, it, it's just a weird way to use the character, and it sort of makes me wonder, like, well, this clearly wasn't the way you got you sold Keaton on coming back, was it? You sold him probably on something else, and this was just the first way that you would introduce them. Yeah, and they made such a big deal of, like, throwbacks. I, I don't super remember, like, I, I, I've seen those movies a hundred times. I was not, like, he, he's, that's not who he is. He's not the one-liner guy. He's, he was played in Manus. Ah, there's so much awe and wonder to the Keaton Batman. I, I just love it. It's such a rich adaptation of him. And they kind of leaned hard. He got a lot of action scenes. That's also not really Keaton, Keaton Batman. Keaton Batman is not, like, a I don't know. I thought that was just... I think a common complaint that Barry Allen... I mean, some of his stories are a lot, very similar to, to, to Batman, but at the same time, his personality, especially Ezra Miller's take on his personality, is very similar to Peter Parker. And they had the same kind of Peter... Par they had the same kind of Barry-Bruce Wayne relationship that uh, Iron Man and Peter Parker had in uh, the MCU. And they didn't play off that with... I mean, Keaton was just kind of like... A father, like sort of somebody there, almost magically placed by the narrative. But they, I feel like they didn't really super play into the idea that uh, this Barry really did rely a lot on uh, Bat Batflick or whatever the fuck we want to call him. Yeah, I, I, I feel like they did, and some of this is because of Ben Affleck's. I, I think he's done a pretty decent portrayal of Bruce Wayne. And I think yes. that, you know, yeah. the scenes between him and Ezra Miller did give you that sense that, you know what, these are actually somewhat friends as much as, you know, Bruce Wayne can be friends with anyone. Um, right. It made that seem that, and it, I guess we were supposed to assume it carried over to the Keaton Batman. And there were even some lines in the movie about that, like um, the post credit scene with Jason Momoa's Aquaman, where he's saying, wait, so it's, you know, Batman again, but he doesn't look like the Batman we know. Um, but then that the Batman we know is actually a different one from the one, you know, so, but it didn't land. And I mean, you know, they can say that, but in real life, we're not going to look at these different actors knowing they played a different iteration of the character and just automatically, you know, assume the feelings and characteristics of them, you know, and the feelings we have about them and transfer those to, you know, whatever version of the character they want to show up. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, do we want to pivot and talk about... Uh, so a lot of this was Flashpoint, but there was a brief minute where, for whatever reason, they decided that they wanted to do an event which was un uh, pretty unfilmable. The CW did a hell of a job. Uh, Ed was there when we did the uh, television adaptation of Crisis, but this we had a little mini-crisis here, I guess, and we had some... Uh, I mean, we had some nice cameos. It was very nice to see Helen Slater. I think that's Supergirl. It's terrible, but if you're drunk, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I like it better than the last two Superman movies. I have a soft um, spot in my heart for that movie. It's like you said, it's terrible, but it, it, it can be a fun watch. It's better than. I mean, it. it, it, it the, three is the Richard Pryor one, and four is like it was filmed for five dollars, which is what this Flash <laughs> yeah. movie was filmed for. Um. So we see a couple. We did see Ed and I have talked about this before the show, but uh, we saw some snobbery from the Warner Brothers executives because they're willing to show George Reeves, who nobody's sitting in the seats. They know of him, maybe, but nobody. No, I didn't see any seventy-year-old people at the Flash when I was at the theater. Nobody, and seventy is too young to know who that is, anyway. Um, you know, I mean, it was fun. It was kind of like when Shazam had that little cameo with the other with the guy who played him in the '70s show. Uh, but you know, we did we see you know, there, there was a a show that used to be the most popular show on the CW, and oh, what a coincidence! That was also called The Flash. Um, you know, that's very strange that suddenly, you know, they want to forget that that didn't exist. We had Ezra Miller on 
the crisis crossover, but we can't get any love for Grant Gustin, who's a much better Barry Allen than Ezra Miller. I don't even like Barry Allen, and Grant Gustin makes me like Barry Allen. Uh, we didn't get that. Uh, we have Supergirl. Do we have, you know, a, there are a lot of people sitting in those seats who love comic books, who love DC comics because of a certain young baby face, Clark Kent, and a great theme song, Smallville. Somebody save me. <laughs> I mean, the choice of cameos were just a little odd, don't you think? Uh, yeah, they were bizarre. Um, you know, that you brought up George Reeves. George Reeves died in the 1950s. Uh, pretty tragically, if you know, you're a listener and you're wondering about that, feel free to look him up. It's actually kind of sad. Um, but you know, bringing out sort of a CGI recreation of him, um, the Helen Slater I did like seeing, but also, you know, another dead guy CGI and Christopher Reeves, who at least, you know, we can all remember him or most of us can, uh, but yeah, it, it really irked me that they didn't do anything for the Arrowverse. Uh, I mean, especially not Grant, having Grant Gustin. I don't know if there's any sort of, you know, union rules um, since Grant is primarily a TV actor and this being a film. But I also, that doesn't seem to be something that, you know, has held up stuff like this before. Um, oh. You brought up the Shazam cameo. And I think the difference for me with that is that that guy, you know, is at least alive. Unlike, right. you know, George Reeves, Christopher Reeves, um, some of the others who were alive also, it looked like they were still using CGI for them. We had that one guy, uh, it's it's still kind of open question, uh, Teddy Sears, who had uh, played a variation on Jay Garrick, who was also, you know, was played by John Wesley, uh, John Wesley Ship. Um, yep, John Wesley Ship. Who, uh, he, uh, yeah, and he, he was, played... Jay and a lot of them, yeah, and also, as you're probably gonna say, uh, he also he had another television role. Uh, what was that show called? Wait, it's called who The Flash. Oh, uh, I was just sorry. <laughs> I, I, was I was talking about up, Teddy Sears. Up, yeah, yeah, but they used Teddy Sears. I mean, he's denying that he was used. That's it's very odd. Uh, I I don't understand it at all. Um, and I. I it, it really almost seems to spit in the face there and, it, you know, sort of spit in the face that uh, fans that carried the torch for this character for so many years. Uh, it Maybe it's not that big of a deal in the long run, but it irked me seeing all these cameos. It's like, you can't even throw a bone and like, you know, showcase something that sort of at least alludes to that, to the Arrowverse or better yet have Grant Gustin show up. Yeah, for a split second, like they have the. I mean, Shazam was the TV. I mean, you're nobody. It's just ridiculous. that show. So many people watching the Flash movie. Watched the Flash TV show. It was extremely popular. It was the most popular show at essentially what will probably go down as the peak of the CW period. It was a very popular. Um, Ed and I are obviously huge comic book fans, but we're also fans of the genre, and I we care about the health of the the genre. And when you have stuff like CW, which reaches so many people who wouldn't know who any of these people are, it was done with love. They did a very good Flashpoint, and they had what I think it was their Flashpoint was season three, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, start of season three. Yeah, that had build up to it. There was no build up really at any point in this movie, other than. And yeah, okay, we've got a lot of stuff to get to, and I, I'm to some extent okay with them having a wide scale of things that they wanted to do because we're not going to get this again, probably. But it did. It felt like a first draft. And, and I don't know why they decided on this shit with the cameos either. I mean, where was Arnold Schwarzenegger? Mr. Freeze, those puns? I mean, Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman, there's, that movie is a lot better than this movie. I'll say that. Yeah, and if you were going to, you know, go through the trouble of acknowledging it and bringing Clooney back at the end, you would think you would at least, you know, sort of, maybe they didn't want to pay those two. I don't know. I mean, given the tax write-offs, I guess that's believable. But then you do the extended, and again, big spoiler here, but I don't think people care, uh, the extended Nick Cage cameo. You know, that's really just that fantasy sort of fulfillment um, from that failed 90s uh, Superman Returns movies. Uh, 
Superman it, Lives, it, I think, was what it was called. Yeah, I forget what it, they were going to... No, Superman Returns is the Brandon Roth one. Um, another way they could have, you know... The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, and that way you could have actually sort of also acknowledged the Arrowverse, you know, in an inadvertent way, but whatever. Um, it, it just... It seemed like, oh, there was a lot of misguided priorities with this. And, I mean, you can say that for almost every, you know, big-budget Hollywood movie. But at least with this, they really seem to be putting sort of the idea that this is going to be a big event movie and change the status quo for us ahead of what is the Flash? What does this character mean? You know, what are the interesting stories we can tell with him? It would be very comic book-esque to spell it out, too. I mean, uh, Infinite Crisis did that with uh, Superboy Prime pounding on the wall. Uh, the end of Death Metal, I thought, was extremely heavy-handed with sort of explaining the Omniverse and we're going to cover all sorts of stuff and don't worry as much about... Com like, that was extremely heavy-handed for a comic book. Um, Remember uh, Zero Hour back in the day where they would essentially, like, white out the pages as it got erased from time? And, in fact, I'm very off-topic a bit, but one of the uh, Legion spinoffs, uh, it was Valor, who was mon but he was called Valor at the time. Uh -huh. uh, he was fighting the time trapper at the end and the time trapper's like, if you kill me, you know, it'll erase everything. And so he does it anyways and it erases it. And that's the last issue. Cause then it leads into zero hour, which reset the timeline erasing those. Yeah. Legion, the legionnaires if people didn't know, but. Well, didn't they film some sort of Henry Cable? He, he had a cameo. I mean, one of these days, they, from, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. From what I heard that, yes, there was at least three different endings here. And there was one that include Henry Cavill with uh, Cal Gadot again, I guess, that was sort of on outside the courthouse, um, replacing the Clooney scene. Uh, and I guess they eventually scrapped that because they thought that people would assume that there was going to be like another Justice League movie or something. Well, so I, I did hear that the Henry Cavill cameo was affected by... I, it was so nice that for five minutes, Dwayne Johnson had forced himself into DC, <laughs> pumped his chest. Uh, I mean, so I I said that Black Adam was the worst superhero movie I ever saw when I saw it at the time. But then I saw Ant-Man, and then I saw, I think Shazam 2 and Ant-Man are both. I, this is kind of where I diverge, because I, I wouldn't call Shazam 2 one of the worst superhero movies ever made, but I liked Black Adam better. Um. And I think Ant Man is the worst of them. So it was horrible. Everybody was on Ant Xanax. Was atrocious. Bill Bill Murray was on Xanax, and the whole, the whole it was. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, not to get too off topic, but uh, it's. I mean, so the the Dwayne Johnson ruined, I guess, the ending of of this movie, but. They couldn't put it back. I I think a lot of this does boil down to Ezra Miller was misbehaving so badly that they started, I think, taking a lot of paths of least resistance. And I actually, I don't think the Clooney ending is that bad because they're not probably going to continue with this world anyway. But the funny thing is, like, it's, it's not like the DCU is like the MCU where if they started putting out Marvel movies that had nothing to do with the MCU, like if they started putting out big market things like you couldn't do like if they made a new iron man movie just like similar in vain to what they did with the batman where it's just not on a universe not on the same universe not addressed nobody notices it's all like people have been doing that for years but like the mcu couldn't do something like that the dceu i think wants to pretend like it can't either but you gotta like look at them and say like nobody cares um I think you're 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 putting too much stock into this. I just I wish that they had done some kind of ending that gave closure to this experiment that was mostly bad, but there were some some highlights of the DC scattered here and there of things that weren't as bad as other things. I guess it, it seems like it's they're they're constantly trying to have that cake and eating it too. You're right. You know, like it. it it should have seemed like a way to end this experiment, but they still have they have the Aquaman sequel coming out, and at some point they're going to do Peacemaker season two, and I guess they're doing an Amanda Waller series as well, which oh, are all right. still in this same universe. 
Now, maybe they do something, you know, goofy and move them along to another universe somehow or just to completely ignore it. But it, it, I don't understand the rush to get to Flashpoint, the rush to have that universe reset just to sort of not only abandon it in terms of using it as a reset, but then continue the universe like that you were, you know, saying you were going to end. Uh, it seems like DC is just kind of doing whatever again, and that's sort of what got them into this mess in the first place. Yeah, and none, I, just none of this would matter. Like, nobody really cared when Casino Royale came out, New James Bond, but, oh, wait, Judy Dench is still around, uh, which I, I almost think that made too much of a, uh emphasis on the reboot. But I, I liked the idea of the soft reboot. I never really understood why Cable had to go. He clearly didn't want to... Uh, they just re they just announced the casting for the Superman Legacy. Uh, I know that Ms. the marvelous Ms. Maisel is going to play Lois. I forget the uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, I forget the male actor who's going to play Clark. But I don't really I don't see why they were so anti Cable. I was very in favor of getting rid of Gal Gadot after uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four was an abomination, um, and she's annoying too. Uh, but this movie. This movie kind of has this weird self-imposed mandate to care about that stuff because it made such a big deal about it. It made canon event such a big thing that it would have been nice to have a more de declarative statement. We're done. Maybe cancel, get the tax money back for Aquaman. I mean, I'm not really seriously in favor of that, but or release it earlier and release Flashpoint second. I mean, who the hell cares? Um... Uh, or you know what? Don't even do that, and just do Aquaman, and have that be its own thing, and and just not even mention it. I mean, who really cares about that either? But somebody cared enough to pick this route, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, you you don't get on this route that DC Films has gotten on just haphazardly. Like I said, they, that they're not planning, and that's true. They're not planning. So in a way, it's haphazard, but at the same time, they had to make some conscious decisions to get to this point, and they have consciously decided to, you know, release this movie as it was, to leave it the ending as it was, and then to continue with the slate that they have left. You know, like you, you mentioned Blue Beetle earlier, and they're being all coy about whether that's in the DCEU or whether it's not. And personally, I don't think it matters regardless, but at the not same at time... All they're opening themselves up to these types of questions and this confusion. And I think it's only going to hurt stuff going forward. Yeah. Because there's not, there's not this moment where they have to like, like we're not going to have to open up Superman legacy and be like, please ignore the previous films. I mean, they've, they've already proven that with the Batman that you can do this and it's not a big deal. Um, and I, I'd almost rather them just keep, like, a, a, just have the people do their own thing. That's what's kind of nice about DC Comics. They have a lot of core people who can stand alone without necessarily needing to come together. And I also don't think, like, coming together to do one of those movies takes all this kind of, like, build up. I mean, it, the first Avengers movie worked pretty well, and those people, none of them had been in the same room until that. I mean, they coordinated it kind of, but not, not, not to a serious degree. Uh, that's kind of getting uh, super off topic. I did, you know, as we start to head into the home stretch of the episode, I was going to ask if there was something that you did enjoy about it. Been dumping on it. <laughs> um, there were parts of it that I found amusing and touching. Um, I think that, Although I have some criticisms about it overall, I, I mentioned to you, to you offline, um, they cast Barry's mother as, um, they're very ambiguous about her background, but she's clearly Hispanic, Latina, or Spanish of some uh, sort of uh, heritage, um, even sort of speaks with a bit of an accent, yet what Barry and his dad talk about missing is her pasta. And, you know, they go to get tomato, he, uh, Barry's dad yeah. goes to get tomato cans for the pasta. And it just seems like one of those things where if you had paid attention on the first, you know, say, I don't know when this actress was cast, but like, you know, maybe go back and change it to something that makes a bit more sense there. Um, but overall, I guess I should say, since I'm talking about Barry's dad, I thought Ron Livingston was pretty good as Henry Allen. He only had a few scenes, but I thought those worked okay. I did get the sense that Barry, you know, had been sort of fighting to get his dad's innocence for a while. 
um, which is, it's not always been sort of a core part of the character, but it has at least been since the Flashpoint era. And it certainly was in the Arrowverse. And I thought this movie handled that well. Um, like I said, I thought Supergirl, when she had a chance to act, was pretty good. Um, and, it, you know, it was fun to see Keaton again. Uh, I was not a fan of the special effects, but I do have to give the film some credit in that it sort of had an original take of how to portray time travel. Um, it, it's not sort of what we had seen before, at least in how it was physically depicted. You know, they sort of showed Barry running and his running sort of slowed down to where he was almost in place, almost in like a coliseum of sorts as he ran past stuff. I'm not going to say it completely worked. And some of that was because the special effects weren't always great, but I do appreciate that it was a different sort of um, attempt at time travel that we haven't seen with the flash or with a lot of other like sort of speedster time travel. Movies. Do you think they should have had the cosmic treadmill? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know um, because it's an inherently goofy idea and sort of a goofy thing that's from in that Coliseum. Yeah, but at the same time, that's essentially what this was. He was sort of running in place, and it almost would have made right. more sense if he was on something like that. Yeah, there were times watching this movie where I was like, you know, the Flash had better special effects, maybe or maybe not better, but like if you look at like the weighted scale. Uh, I mean, I favor practical effects a lot. Uh, I like the way the Batcave looked. Uh, I mean, it was it, it was nice to get to spend time with Keaton. Uh, I'll deal with the uh, complaints of uh, doing a Flash episode from people just because I got to see I got to talk about Keaton some more. I do quite love him. Um, it. I kind of ended my review this way. I do kind of, in some ways, as messy as it was, it is kind of like the ending that the DCU deserves. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think that's fitting. <laughs> and it, I, I don't even, I don't want to say that. Like, I mean, obviously, it is quite mocking, but um, you know, with with how rabid the Snyder fans have been, I, I, I'm somebody who is more pro Snyder than the average person. I love 300. Uh, I think his Watchmen is spectacular, and I think the changes he made from the source material are were actually largely sensible. Um, but what he did in Man of Steel, which I gave a positive review for, but uh, he, he he really took a dump on the ETH. We're talking about canon level events. I mean, what Clark Kent does not kill. Let the other. I don't really care if Batman kills, but Clark Kent should not kill. Um, and that's not something I really. I think it's so over. They overhyped in that kind of stuff, and even I was a little pissed off about that. Um, the DCEU has never really been able to sustain itself or make make something that was purely purely great. I mean, Wonder Woman was really good, and I like Shazam a lot. I mean, maybe we could say that those are great, but. I'll defend of Birds of Prey just because I think that movie is, you know, delightful insanity in a lot of ways, even though it's not perfect. I mean, just seeing yeah. um, Ewan McGregor and uh, what's his name? Danny, uh, it's not Danny, Chris uh, Messina, sure. is that how you say his name? Yeah. Uh, uh, just seeing those two interact as uh, Black Mask and Victor Zaz was a delight. Yeah, I came out of that, I don't know, I... That was also the first movie I saw before lockdown and COVID. So like I saw that and then that was the last movie I saw before any of that. So maybe I got rose colored glasses there. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people liked it. I just thought that I thought it was poorly paced and, and I loved the Batman, which just came out. Uh, Cause it took such a declarative stance. It said, we're doing detective comics. We're doing Batman as a detective. And it was overlong. It needed. It could have been. You could have just straight up cut the last fifteen minutes. It would have mattered. Um, it would have made for a better movie. Uh, but it was great. It was a great movie. Uh, and I wish the DCEU had ever achieved greatness. It had. Uh, it did some things very well. Zack Snyder's Justice League is full of very good sequences that are not necessarily. They don't add up to real greatness, but I enjoyed it, and I'm glad that we have it. Uh, and, and actually, maybe Zack Snyder's Justice League above all else, and maybe, I mean, parts of Batman vs Superman are, are fun, but that movie also 
kind of blows in my opinion. Um, we we saw a lot of 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 what could be, and I guess maybe if, for me at least, it, it it certainly vindicates the the uh, Burton Schumacher era, which. I mean, a lot of people love Batman Returns, but I remember when the Nolan movies came out, how in vogue it was to just dump on those other ones. And I'll even kind of defend the campy stuff. Comic books can be a lot of things. We have lots of different takes, and that's kind of why we all favor a wide spread of them, a lot of leeway to go and do their own things in these various aspects. But, um, you know, those movies had character and identity and, and people who were playing deliberate takes. We've had uh, 10 years of the, of the DCEU. Man of Steel came out in 2014. We never defined it in a way that Marvel or the Arrowverse or a lot of this... I mean, even like you look at like the universe they're building with Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka and uh, the Mando. Uh, it, I never felt like it took a stance. I never felt like we understood what it was supposed to be. We had Snyder edgelordism and then like a soft sort of pivot, but we, it's almost like it just ran out of gas yeah um great way to put it i mean you know there was the initial sort of shaping by snyder and then obviously he had to leave justice league due to his own issues and his family issues but then they never sort of regained their footing and i mean you can blame joss whedon for that sure but then even after that they said you know we're going to focus more and let the individual directors sort of take the shape but even the ones, you know, I mean, Wonder Woman 84 was an absolute mess. And that was by a director who had done the character before. Um, you have something like The Flash, which is tonally all over the place. Uh, you know, you can make the argument that sure, so is The Flash as a character in a lot of ways. But these movies never, it, it was never earned in these movies. And that's because right. they never sort of took a stance. They never really established what they were about other than, you know, man of steel, Batman versus Superman and uh, Zack Snyder's version of justice league. But uh, three movies, you know, you can't say those are exemplary for all of the rest of this shared universe as it is. No, I mean, even, I mean, I gave a bad review to Aquaman seemed Aquaman threw everything at the kitchen. I mean, it was like romancing the stone with power Rangers and a lot of other stuff. Uh, very odd um yeah as we as we start to wrap up i just think like i guess i expected a little more because personal issues aside ezra is a very good performer i expected i did not expect to come away from it thinking that they were fairly kind of i guess overstretched would probably be the best way because i was supposed to say there were parts of it that were kind of wooden um, it was missing the pizzazz that we all saw in Zack Snyder's Justice League. That was a quality. And maybe it's because they decided I Iris was not a character worth showing in this. And Barry Allen is best shown through Iris West a lot. Um, a lot of it just reminds me why I like Wally better. Wally is uh, among the most privileged of the original Titans. Uh, he's got his life put together. He's not a wreck like Victor or, uh, Garth or Gar um beast boy uh or you know dick's kind of a head case uh he's just likable he's i really like wally wally's the mark wade run jeff johns even i forget who wrote the early stuff uh it's a lot of fun it's good to read uh it's a better flash it's the flash that a lot of us want uh they should have done wally i think i, I don't understand yeah, the oh sorry go ahead uh, sorry, I'm a big Wally fan too. Um, he was my Flash. I, I feel like that maybe would have been a better route for the DCEU to take as a whole to go with Wally, um, especially given you know earlier on in this universe they sort of established that it, it existed in some form before Man of Steel. You know, like Batman had been operating before then. There was the um, Robin like uh jokerfied uniform that they showed for batman vs justice a lot of stuff that eventually got completely dropped and ignored but you know that would have lent itself well to a wally west coming in That's as right. a flash sort of in the shadow of barry allen um which was admittedly in the comics a lot of where wally's early sort of conflict and development came from uh but i also think you bring up a good point about ezra miller um We've seen them lead films before. We've seen them, you know, carry films before. 
this was not that case. And it did seem like maybe their version of Barry Allen is something that works best in smaller doses. I mean, we'll never know for sure going forward, because again, we're never going to see this again. Um, but it, it just, two versions of their Barry just did not work. Yeah, it, uh, you know, they have a Tale of Two Flashes that has, you know, Barry and Jay. Uh, that, that's a much better, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have even wanted, I, I don't know. Barry is my yeah. least, uh, of the four big uh, flashes, well, not Bart Allen is not one of the big flashes, but I like Jay better. I like, you, there was a 90s stretch where it was all of them but Barry. You had uh, Jay, yep. Bart was living with, with Jay, and Wally was the flash. And that was a great setup. That was a great core. I think resurrecting you guys Barry. guys like Johnny Quick and Max Mercury around to help mentor Barry yeah. and Bart, Wally and Bart. Yeah, you just didn't yeah. need him. And, you know, you brought up that um, they apparently didn't think Iris West was worth focusing on. It is hilarious to me that they kept Kersey Clemens in this role for however long this movie has been gestating. Uh, and yet she gets maybe like two or three scenes. Like, I say what you want about her as an actress. I don't really have much of an opinion either way. But Nora Allen should not be a minor character in the first movie about a Barry Allen flash. You know, she's yeah, about as a, big of a side character as it gets. Yeah, and that's another point of uh, differentiate to differentiate from Batman is the fact that Barry Iris brings out the best in Barry. Uh, yeah, that's just I don't know. The, the, this movie had just so much, so many diverted attentions. Uh, I mean, they wrote like a hundred different versions of the script, and maybe people fought to get. I, I don't know. This will make. I'm I'm sure we haven't heard the last of. Uh, this this troubled saga. I mean, the whole DCEU will make a hell of a book, but um, it also, I guess, girl, please. What? Yeah, seriously. I guess the one thing I would say to close is it also puts into perspective just how good the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover was, that managed to cover an impressive spread of of of, of lore that included the films. You know, Brandon Routh as as Kingdom Come Superman, basically. And then also Ezra uh, with the cameo. Uh, limited resources. You don't need a major budget. I didn't. The special effects were bad. Uh, they didn't bother me as much as the narrative stuff. Uh, but the Arrowverse was something that was made with a lot of love for this material, and I I was reminded of that with so many of the uh, at a, of so many of the seasons of the Flash that covered so much great stuff. And yeah, it's cheesy. It's a melodramatic. Who the hell cares? I, I like melodrama. It's a comic book. I mean, they're soap operas for men. That's what I say in my comic book story. And people give me weird looks. I'm like, hey, hey, it's true. You know, it's the same thing as Days of Our Lives. This is, this is, these are your stories. Uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, the first season of The Flash, especially, is one of the best, you know, adaptations of the character. And really, I would say, other than, you know, the budget stuff with the Arrowverse, the only thing that Arrowverse did wrong was its treatment of Wally West. And I think some of that is just due to personal issues with the actor at the time. I think he was yeah. sort of discovering himself and finding more about who he was as a person and kind of had to step away. Uh, that's a lot of speculation. If for some reason he happens to be listening, sorry, but you know. I, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Especially this, this late in the episode, but uh, you have any, any, any final thoughts as we wrap up? Um, you know, wish it was a better movie. I guess, you know, I can no longer say that there never will be a Flash movie, but um, sort of had to go and identify the body here. Uh, I don't yeah. necessarily want to say good riddance to the DCU because I always wanted it to be better, but I think you're right. This is fitting. It, you know, it was always a bit of a mess and it ends as a bit of a mess. Yeah, the DCU... Uh... You can't, I mean, I say this a lot as a trans person, but you can't be everything to everyone. And as much as we look at the monotony of the MCU, they have a formula. That's their formula, and they deviate a little bit. And I, I, They're going to have to deviate more. I think they're in, they have their own problems. But the DCEU just, just didn't have that. And I don't know why it was so hard to fix, but it was apparently, and I didn't want to do an episode where we shit on the movie the whole time. I wanted to like this. I wanted to be 
uh, I didn't want to... It's never a good sign when you're starting off your show defending your decision to even do the episode because of the problems <laughs> of the actor. Of the actor. Uh, but but I, I wanted to... I wanted to it, it, it's very much, it is identifying the body. I feel like we're at the morgue, we're doing a post-mortem on something that, I I love, I love DC, we'll, we'll, we'll bring Ed back uh, to do uh, an episode on, on sort of, I, I've pitched this, of uh, basically explaining why DC is better than Marvel, or why I like it better than Marvel. It's such a rich world to play around in, and even as somebody, you know, the big the big gateway to all of this is, do I need to read all of this stuff? We, we all like to believe that answer is no. We also like to have our patronage rewarded by payoffs that, that represent growth and natural, that, that pay reverence to the development of the characters. So we do all of this with love. Uh, I love, I, I feel like DC is my home team over Marvel, even though I love the X-Men. And Ed, we actually had Ed back last for uh, Krakoa, which I love uh, for different reasons. But um, we want the best out of DC. This isn't fun to rag on things, but why, why, why did they do this? Yeah. Who the hell knows? Like I don't somebody know. seeing this is watching, Ed, why do you like The Flash after watching that? Well, not because of that movie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> No, I mean, the Flash is exciting, the rogues. I mean, Captain Cold is a ridiculous character. Why can't we have a Captain Cold in a movie? He's fun. Oh Trix- the fucking trickster. Bring Wentworth these are Miller fun. back, heck. <laughs> yeah, these are fun characters. Like, even, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, no, Godspeed is not really a com- comic relief guy, but um, there's something humorous about Savitar. I don't know. Anyway, as 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 we as we wrap up, um, I want to thank Ed for for coming on and uh, apologize to him for forcing him. I didn't really force him, but uh, <laughs> we should we should have we should have we should have been like, hey, this movie. I don't know. I didn't want to cancel the episode. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me we had uh we had a guest on for a show that I was reviewing independently of the booking because it was uh. The person worked on the crew and i did offer their publicist a chance to back out of the interview and they didn't want to but i was like you know i didn't like the show right <laughs> i'll keep the booking but it, i don't know this reminded me of that but it's my own booking anyway we we've landed we've landed at least i didn't point. work on the flash <laughs> yeah but I, I have fun talking comics uh, i wish it was under better circumstances Anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ed. Thanks for having um, me on. I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, to our listeners, uh, especially we charting in China, all of that. I'm sure what well, you guys who listen to all of my grinder and horrible stories were just like, yeah, I really need to hear Ian's opinion on the Flash. Well, now you got it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>